0: either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good well the director from yesterday doesn't think so it
1: stinks you sorry (laughs) you waste all our film it's so bad
0: seems like each week we get a few more coming out in theaters slowly we're getting back there and that's definitely the case this week we've got an even dozen to talk about this week welcome this is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. Let's start with John Kelly, a Navy SEAL, going on a path to avenge his wife's murder, only to find himself inside of a larger conspiracy. It's Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. These were
1: foreign attacks on U.S. soil. We have to respond. I'm
0: going to make it right.
1: There's something inside of me that, that I can't turn off a part of me that won't stop for anything no remorse give me a name he was supposed to be dead. give me a name
0: okay so when you have the name tom clancy in the title that gives you a pretty good idea of what's to come, but then you keep looking at the people involved here. You've got Michael B. Jordan as the lead. You've got Taylor Sheridan, one of our, our favorite writers. He has been just brilliant, and you've even got uh, Stefano Salima is the director, mm-hmm. and he did uh, the second. He did the second Sicario. Yeah, he did. There's some talent here, so you're expecting more, unfortunately, than this film delivers.
2: I gotta say, it's borderline inept. <laughs> You know, I was really—I mean, I was really taken aback because I had high expectations of it. Yeah, um, I can't say that I'm a massive Tom Clancy fan. I can't say that this type of espionage, you know, right. naval thrillers—you know, it's it's fantasy fulfillment, and they're not my fantasy. So, but I can get behind an exciting thriller, you know, like a a, a capably made kind of a. A spy film. This is just not that.
0: Yeah, even as you have familiar beats with the revenge factor, that's been done a million times. Oh but yeah, anything that is familiar can still be done well, as long as it's. First off, it has to start with writing. We always say that, and then executed well. So it's not like these these age old war horses can't be given some new life. They can, but here. By the time it gets through, you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah.
2: So one of the things I think that surprised me the most is, as you mentioned, Taylor Sheridan is one of the greatest screenwriters working today, although he's had a lot more misses of late. But he wrote Sicario. Um, Hell he Hell wrote- or High Water. Hell or High Water. So those are two of just the best movies I've seen in the last decade. And then since then, he's written decent. They've not been to that degree,
0: but they've been fine. And one of those that he he directed himself. So you wonder, OK, maybe that was... Taking on the the two right. uh, the two d- different jobs maybe that hurt a little. He does have one coming out. I just saw the trailer for it called "Those Who Wish Me Dead." Yeah. with Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. That looked interesting. I mean, I'm so always we'll in. You yeah. know, if
2: he's written it, I'm always in. Uh, but this one, the you know, it's just sloppy. It's mm. just sloppy. There's nothing really very interesting or new that that's being told. And then in the direction, there are certain set pieces that you know, who here's a cool set piece that they don't mean anything. They don't amount. to to anything there's no purpose or point to what they're doing mm. and then there are all these moments where it's like big exciting set piece cut and then you go to the next scene and you're like all right i'm gonna need to explain to me how we got from there to here yeah. it's like doubt or they do get you to the next scene but it's like oh how's he gonna get out of this he's sure to going to die except oh there's a running car with nobody in it And the driver's side door open. Wow, that's convenient.
0: You know, there's another movie we're going to talk about uh, this week that has a problem with seeming to have just chunks edited out in haphazard fashion. Did you get the feeling that was the problem here?
2: I don't know. Because if that's not the problem, it just seems like uh, poor execution. Mm. You know, it just seems lazy, lazily slapped together. You know, it's like, oh, we need a scene where Michael B. Jordan is shirtless. I'm not opposed. I'm not going to lie to you. But there was no reason for it. I mean, it was just like there, there was no reason for it to
0: happen. It was so dumb. Um, well, I you mean, know, as Chris Rock says, there's a reason to kick an old man down the stairs. You just don't do it. So I think a lot of people might disagree.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't all up in arms that it happened. And,
1: but the other thing, too,
2: is that, like, the performances are so broad. There's, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. You know what's going to happen before it happens? It's just a chunked together kind of a mess. I just, it's not thrilling at all.
0: And it's too bad because you look at someone like Michael B. Jordan who seems just ready to take that ready to take that next step i mean he's already big but he seems ready to just step into maybe a new franchise do you you get the feeling they want to launch a new franchise there's
2: no question that that's what this was it was an origin story franchise um kickstart Mm -hmm. right and uh and, and i do i think he would be great to be you know the hero in his own franchise i would love to see that happen i just hope it's not this
0: we shall see tom clancy's without remorse available now on prime video I've been looking forward to talking about this next one. It's a fresh and exhilarating take on the beloved teen musical genre, featuring eight original songs and a fully integrated casting crew of people with and without disabilities. It's called Best Summer Ever. There's something off about this new girl. You have a boyfriend?
2: Did me to grow this summer.
0: We had the most magical summer. Tell us how it all went down.
2: I met a boy up in Vermont. She turned my home. Sounds so familiar. Tell me more, tell me more.
1: High school again. I want the crown, and you're going to help me get
2: it. And what if I say no?
1: Then I'll put these photos on blast. Dance Camp Tony.
2: Have you ever once thought about what I might want? How about we just go off somewhere together? You could be like Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Wait, don't they die? Best summer ever. This is the one that we recommend to anybody who just needs to turn their frown upside down. <laughs> if you're right. in a bad mood, we defy you to remain. Try to remain in a bad you know, mood I all sent, the way through I this movie. I said that phrase this morning
0: on the uh, the radio show that I called. They made fun of me for saying that. <laughs> like you know what, you can't you can't bring me down because I've seen this movie. That's right. And it, it's it is. It's just it'll just swell your heart, even though it's familiar. In its plot, and they know that, and they do a wink-wink about it, because you've got two teens that get together for the summer in a sweet romance, Tony and Sage, and they go their separate ways at the end of the summer, only to be put together by fate at the same high school. <gasps> tell me more, tell me more. Exactly, and, <laughs> and they know that, and they have so much fun with it, not only with that knowing type of uh, attitude, But also the fact that everything starts with the cast. And this is an offshoot of um, Zeno Mountain Farm is what it's called. It's in Vermont. And it's a camp for people with challenges, physical, developmental challenges. And apparently they started making their own movies some time ago and putting all their campers in these movies. And it just grew and grew. And now, if you look at the list of producers on this movie, you'll see a lot of big names, people like Jamie Lee Curtis and Mary Steenburgen and Ted Danson. And then some of them actually pop up in cameos. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard and Maggie Gyllenhaal and Benjamin Bratt. But you've got a bunch of people that, from the Hollywood connections that uh, got involved and really helped make this movie and bring it to the forefront and film not just a movie for the campers, but a movie to be released like this. And the joy is just you, you cannot deny it. So you've got all these actors that not only some do not have challenges, but so many of them do. And the great thing about it, their performances are great, especially the lead girl who plays Sage, Shannon DeVito. Now, she has had a few credits before this, but, and she's going to get more. Because she steals this movie. Oh, and she she's, does. She's just a charmer in a wheelchair, and she's she's just steals it. And then you've got the side plot as the homecoming game approaches. The evil Queen Bee cheerleader, Beth, who's played by Madeline Rhodes, going by Moo Moo. Uh, she's also a musician. She contributes a lot toward the original songs. She has a plan to become homecoming queen and take Anthony away from Sage as her king. So, <laughs> ha, 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 it's getting good. But all of the characters in the movie not one mention is made of any of their challenges right the fact that sage is in a wheelchair or whatever it might be it never comes up as part of the story and they just do their thing and be who they are, and it's great. And it's cheesy, but it's funny. That's the thing.
2: I mean, if, if you think, oh, this is going to be like watching somebody's high
0: school, you know, it isn't.
2: It's really well made. The performances really are very, very good. And it is funny.
0: Yeah, the directors, Mark, Michael Parks, Randa, and Lauren Smitelli, give it a... Just a vibe of, yeah, we know what we're doing, but come on, get it on this. It's just so much fun because Tony, he wants to be a dancer or he loves dancing, but he has to hide that fact because he's the football star. And the team hasn't won a a homecoming game in forever, and they're hoping that he can lead them to the homecoming victory, but he's the kicker on the football team. And <laughs> Which in itself is
2: hilarious. It's right. the kicker. Who he's is the, the star. He's the star
0: because everybody else sucks so badly. And once the big game comes, you've got these two Statler and Waldorf type announcers in the booth <laughs> being hilarious. I'm laughing at them because oh, yeah. they're just cracking on how bad the team is. And that makes the quarterback resentful, and he cusses out the crowd. <laughs> And I'm just laughing, and it's it's just it's just a hoot. And even though some of the songs are a bit cheesy, you'll sing them. I was singing "Best Summer Ever" for you know a few days after I saw this. I still am. So it's just it's just undeniably fun and undeniably joyful. And I cannot recommend it enough. And it is a, it's a bargain video on Prime, it's just $3.99. So let me tell you, as I said when I tweeted out the review, if you don't feel uplifted by this movie, we will eat a bug.
2: Oh, we didn't say we. There was no <laughs> plural in that. I make no promise
0: about bug eating. I
2: will eat a bug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Best summer ever. I'm telling you, it is, it's just so much fun and a treat, and you'll be glad you saw it. Boy, here's another fun one. A tough lady trucker trains her wimpy best friend to compete in the national ladies arm wrestling championship. It's called Golden Arm.
2: You yeah. don't practice being a loser. Go, come on, I'll get the jump. Hit low.
1: We may just be in the presence of a golden arm. Weak, ineffectual, soft. but she has got one damn powerful arm. Scared yet? <laughs>
2: My fear. I am golden You can't go out there with your balls out. You gotta get out there with your legs out yeah. This is another one that I'm excited to talk about because, uh, you know it's easy. it's so easy for movies to fly under the radar, especially in a week like this when like 15 movies yeah. come out. You'll like this one. Yeah. It's very funny. I had a you bl- might think you won't, but you will. <laughs> I
0: had a blast with this too. Uh, yeah, ladies' arm wrestling. Anybody that remembers the nineteen eighty seven Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling vehicle over the top, you might remember that. This film certainly does. Believe me. <laughs> uh, you might think, wow, there's not been a lot of arm wrestling movies. That's right, <laughs> but now there is, and it's funny, and it's. Uh, I think the writers, both writers and the director. It's their big screen debut. Anne-Marie Allison and Jenna Milley wrote this, and Maureen Barucha uh, directing. And it stars, if you saw The Happiest Season, remember that back during the Christmas season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that one, it was on, it might have been Netflix. Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mary Holland was the weird sister. Yeah, she was, she stole that movie. Stealing scene after scene. She plays Melanie. The wimpy girl who may have a golden arm, even though she you know doesn't weigh much, she can take down these bigger ladies uh, when they're arm wrestling. And her longtime friend Danny, the Dominator, played <laughs> by Betsy Sadaro, she's a tough lady trucker who just can't beat Brenda, the Bone Crusher, uh, and she's going to have be the one they have to take down to win the championship. So she remembers her friend Mel and her golden arm, so she gets her involved in this tournament. So we're going to need a training montage, right? Woo-hoo! And we get a good one. And uh, <laughs> they use that, actually they use it very smartly to to organically tell us, if you're not hip on the rules to arm wrestling tournaments, you get caught up that way and you get a training montage, which everybody loves, right? And so they go in the truck and becomes sort of a half of a road trip as they're going to the tournament. You have some antics going on there and then once they get to the tournament and it's it's funny, it's body it's in your face it's rude but you know what you might be tempted to call it stupid funny but there's some underlying yeah. real themes here of of uh, empowerment and women's friendships and finding yourself, and that it's not as stupid as you might think. But I'll tell you what, I was laughing. Yeah, it's very I funny. really was laughing. So well done uh, to all around. And there's a there's a bit about the movie Twister that had me just rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bit about a gynecologist who's really, really detailed explanation of why balls out is not a good phrase. It just goes on and on. This is one that you might be <laughs> quoting for a while after, so highly recommend this. This is also a pretty much of a bargain rental. It's on Prime for just six ninety nine, and it will have you laughing. Uh, golden Arm. I think the number one rule, though, in arm wrestling, as far as I can recall, is don't arm wrestle Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> no, that's right. But the, one of the other big rules that they point out in this movie is you have to remember to suck and tuck. <laughs> okay? And if you want to figure out what that means, see this movie. It's Golden Arm. We move away from the lighthearted stuff. This is a mother helping her daughter work through four crucial days of recovery from substance abuse. It's four good days.
2: Mom, how is she? She sits around smoking, twitching, and I am there watching her like a hawk and pretending that I'm
1: not. Almost one day down, three more to go. I'm so sorry. Wish I'd been around. You should have been. You think it's
2: my fault. It just goes on and I am
1: so on. sorry that my drug addiction is so incredibly difficult on you. I'm so sorry.
2: If there's anyone who has the strength to break free of this, it's you. I really believe that. I'm proud of you.
0: Somehow you do. If you looked at the movie poster, right away you recognize Glenn Close but if the name wasn't up there you might not recognize Mila Kunis cuz boy if you haven't seen her for a while she looks different she put herself well physically for sure and emotionally through the ringer for this part
2: yeah and and you know she would have to honestly because she plays a character named Molly who is about to go into her 15th stint in rehab she is a heroin addict and and you're right uh, Mila Kunis i mean she's just she's skin and bones she looks horrible Um, and she's such a lovely girl and it's, it's interesting because one of the things about me, she's got the biggest eyes in the world and in this sunken gaunt face, they look so haunting. She, they just swim in this skull. But you have
0: to, to bring authenticity to this sort of situation. yeah. Yeah.
2: And one of the things I really appreciate about her performance is that it is more than equal to the transformation that she went through physically. It's a really fearless performance. She is not a likable character. And she does a great job as an actor in sort of wading through the manipulations that will work when she's dealing with her mother. And this is Mm -hmm. one of the things I like the best about the film, is that it felt, in many ways, very honest to me. These are two people who obviously have this massive history of triggering each other. right? And so they're very uncomfortable to be around. And when you watch other films that deal with addiction, even very solid films, usually there's at least one character that feels noble and put upon and you're supposed to really empathize with. That's not the case here, really. There, there are these two characters who you just want to smack. And I think that it feels authentic in that way. Close, as great as she always is, but her her character and her dialogue and her her actions to me felt like plot points mm-hmm. more than they Too felt advanced, like, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. we've now we need to create another, another crisis and we need to create another crisis MacGuffins almost. She M- does, M- yeah, she does things that I don't believe this character would probably do in this situation. At least, point. at least not in the first four days. Yeah. But if you can get past that, I thought it was really effective. And
0: this is writer, co-writer, co-writer and director Rodrigo Garcia.
2: Yeah, and he's worked with uh, he's worked with Glenn Close a number of times. Yeah. He directed Albert Nobbs and he directed Nine Lives. And he, generally speaking, I'm a fan of his work.
0: Yeah, uh, and this one is this is just in theaters. It is this weekend. Uh, so that is Four Good Days. Another one just in theaters is the latest from one of our favorite directors in the puppet state of Manchukuo in the 1930s. Four Communist Party special agents, after returning to China, embark on a secret mission. Sold out by a traitor. The team find themselves surrounded by threats on all sides. Latest from Yimu Zhang, Cliff Walkers. <laughs> Boy, I just want to see everything Zhang does. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You look at Raise the Red Lantern and House of Flying Daggers and uh, just a couple of years ago, um, Shadow. Oh, yeah. I mean, on and on and on. The guy just puts visuals on the screen that just leave your jaw just dropping. They they really do. And you definitely want to see him on the big screen. It's interesting. And not that the storytelling, his storytelling skills are terrible. They're not. No. Uh, But the visuals, strangely, in this, even though they are still very impressive, they're just not as showy in this but but they're there and some incredible set pieces as it tells this this just really intense you're talking about spy a, mm-hmm. a spy movie mm-hmm. earlier this is sort of a spy movie as well and very throwback noir kind of a feel as there's all these double crosses and who's the mole and who's the snitch and who you know who's going to get tortured and who's going to make a sacrifice The secret mission involves trying to find the one surviving witness of a Japanese massacre and then smuggle him out to safety so he can tell the world about the Japanese atrocities. But the double crossing begins almost immediately and the the, the four agents split up into pairs and you've got one pair trying to find the other pair and warn them about the double crossing and then it just goes on and on as they try to hunt for each other and hunt for a mole and find out who's double crossing whom. And so those turns in the story aren't exactly new. But like we were just talking about earlier, if they're effectively done, they can still be compelling. I found the story very compelling. And again, in a different way, the visuals just just, just knocked me out. From the very beginning, when they parachute in to through snowy trees, uh, through the the chasing, through the streets, and there's a great sequence on, on a train. And the snow, interestingly enough, almost becomes... Zhang almost makes the snow a character in itself. Right. It's constant. It never stops snowing. And he, Uses that to such great effect, and even though it is just a little bit over two hours, I, I found I found myself completely caught up in it. Uh, this uh, old type of spy noirish game, where people are giving you those glances, heavy glances over their the brim of their hat, and they're lighting up another smoke. It, those types of things we've seen before, but I don't think we've seen them in this way. And uh, I guess I'm just a sucker for uh, his movies, and this one is another one that's definitely worth seeing. Not one. If you're used to all the, the colorful ways that he puts the visuals on screen, this one, not so much. He's, he really uses the contrast of the snow to darker color palettes. But still, the, some of the set pieces are just just really wow, wow-inducing. And uh, it's one that's in theaters, mm-hmm. as most of his stuff deserves to be. And if you're a fan of his work, uh, you know what I'm talking about, and it's called Cliffwalkers. Got a documentary next, Deep in the Forests of Piedmont, Italy. A handful of men, 70 or 80 years old, hunt for the rare and expensive white alba truffle, which to date has resisted all of modern science's efforts at cultivation. It's called the Truffle Hunters.
2: Do you like dogs, if you like dogs, I think, and Goofy Old Men, I think you're going to like this movie.
0: Goofy Old Men and Their Old Ways and Their Old Dogs. That's what you've got here. This is another one that's just in theaters, and it's a perfectly delightful documentary. How many times do we say, when we're talking about documentaries, that they bring you into a world you're not aware of? This did. This certainly did. Even if you're aware of truffles and how the gourmet palates crave the truffles. Well, how do you get those truffles? Especially this very rare truffle, uh, the most rare, I guess, the white alba truffle. How are they found? Well, these old guys have been doing it for years and they have their methods that they're not really hip on giving away, especially <laughs> even though they're old, they're not really that interested in passing down what they know, but they are interested in, in keeping their dogs happy and healthy because their dogs are very important to them uh, finding these truffles and. It's a statement on, you know, old world versus new as the men have to come to grips with not only climate change, because that affects the hunt uh, for sure, but also the increased cutthroat methods uh, and profit margins that are driving the truffle industry. So it's fascinating. And in the end, it's just joyous to get to know these men and their dogs and a world that you've probably never even stopped to think about. So this is one again that's in theaters and it's a delightful documentary called The Truffle Hunters from directors and writers Michael Dweck and Gregory Kershaw. Well done. Next is the story of an introverted editor living a vertical life in his second floor apartment always on deadline and in a rut. When he locks himself out of his building he's forced to go horizontal and confront the world he's been avoiding in search of a way back inside. It's the outside story. I locked myself out
1: of my apartment. Without your shoes? Sucks. Oh, it's dumb. Well, it looks like a beautiful day. <laughs> right ah! I was wondering if I could climb out on your fire escape. I hope that I'm not interrupting. Hi. Hi. Yes, we're in a relationship. Wow. You ever
2: been cheated on? Probably.
1: Charles, it was one time. I know Isha feels bad about it. How do you not get jealous?
2: Because life is short. I think it's good to have a
1: little fire burning. Do you miss her? Sure. Then go get her, Romeo.
0: Boy, this finally gives a lead role to someone we've been admiring in supporting roles now for a while. And that's Brian Tyree Henry.
2: Yeah, the guy can do anything. A lovable goof in one movie, you know, a very serious, dramatic turn in the next one, a scary psychopath in another one, somebody's drug-addled brother in another one. I mean, he can do anything. Yeah. He's always wonderful, and it was great to see him lead, and he's definitely yeah. the lead. He's in every scene in this yeah, movie.
0: it is. It, it seems over overdue, yes. much overdue, and it's a very sweet, and it's funny how I liked in your written review, MadWolf.com, you bring in the the uh, correlations to the to Sesame Street.
2: That's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of an adult Sesame Street. It's all in this one neighborhood, very brightly lit. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. He's locked out, and so he just is kind of waiting around for his landlord to show up and let him in. And so he kind of discovers his neighborhood and he talks to his neighbors. And mm-hmm. that's what I just kept thinking. like These are the people. That's what I just kept thinking. <laughs> you know, and it is, it's, it's like so many of the other movies this week, just delightful. Yeah. You know, the stakes aren't super high. He's learning lessons as he's out there. He's meeting his neighbors. They're also learning lessons. Now, this is, I mean, there are F-bombs aplenty. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's nothing gritty about this movie in any way. It's just as bright and sunshiny as the day suggests
0: it is. It's writer-director Casimir Noskowski.
2: I think the only thing, the drawback to this, I mean, the stakes are pretty low, so it's, you know, you're not super invested. It, But the other thing is that everything has such a sunny disposition that when the police come to arrest, they suspect... Charles because there's a burglar with polka dot socks mm. and they they go to arrest him and he says, you know, it's not him I'm he says I'm resisting, I'm resisting and then they let him go. Given the situation, yeah. it felt so tone deaf. It felt so tone deaf. I was startled. I thought somebody should have cut the scene. I mean, this is just this is not a good look. Yeah. You know, um it was so problematic, but if you can get past that one scene, you know, and you're in the mood for something very light, and you just want to, you
0: know, yeah. I want to just commend somebody for finally
2: giving this man a lead performance, a lead
0: role. You know, it is a lovely film. And on Prime Video, another bargain, six ninety nine for the rental for the outside story. Next is the Based on True Events story of a Canadian farmer taking on a giant corporation after their GMOs interfere with his crops. It's Percy versus Goliath. Goliath.
1: Monsanto's claiming the canola you grew in 97 contained a technology in the seeds gene that they created. I never bought their seed. Monsanto will say that everything you grew is their property. sure got people talking. You stole Monsanto's seed. You know I'm not a thief. Feels like you're angling for a fight. Mr. Schmeiser, I'm Rebecca Salco. I'm here to help you with your case. You try to fight them on your own, you will lose. They're tearing our community apart. David and Goliath legal battle. In a case where farmers around the world are watching very closely. We've heard your story. You're fighting back. You bring us hope. $1.2 million. That's how much you owe. We're going to lose the farm.
0: If you win, no farmer could ever be sued for saving seeds again.
1: We're going to the Supreme Court.
0: Speaking about guys we're not used to seeing in lead roles, this is Christopher Walken, who a lot of times shows up as a supporting role. Mm -hmm. But he is for sure the lead here as Percy Schmeiser, that Canadian farmer who got accused of stealing GMO seeds from Monsanto, where he says... No, he's, his family has been seed saving for generations, where at the end of one season, he saves the most robust seeds to use for the following year. So he said any any of those seeds that got into my fields got there either by passing trucks or by the wind. And of course, the legal team from Monsanto ain't buying that. So a legal battle ensues and he's helped out by an environmental activist played by Christina Ricci and then his own small-town-type lawyer, played by Zach Braff. And just the fact that they made a movie about this, you can probably guess the final outcome. Right, But it's a bit of a ride for him, who's very introverted, and he has to be brought out into the spotlight, and then he finds out how many farmers are taking pride and and looking to him for some hope in fighting against this big corporation. So this is director Clark Johnson, who he did the SWAT reboot years ago. (laughs) He's done a lot of TV since then, not a lot of uh, movies, but he's back with this one. It hits a lot of familiar beats. It it does them just fine, I guess. But one of the things here, this is the movie I was talking about earlier about Mm -hmm. editing, because originally the movie was just called Percy. And originally, from if I understand correctly, it was two hours long. Well, now it's an hour and 40 minutes. So it seemed the way the narrative of this story goes, that the editing was just done haphazardly. Things are just move much too quickly sometimes, where the editor just like, oh, oh okay. And it doesn't give you time to really invest in the characters as much as you should. Doesn't sync the movie, doesn't make it terrible, all the uh, performances are just fine. It's a very respectable story of the little man against the big corporation. It just seems hurt by a little bit of what you talked about in, um, in Without Remorse. Movements from one section to another that seem a little bit, if not nonsensical, just rushed. Sure. And we never get a chance to really become as, to make it as resonant. To us, as it should be. But it's perfectly fine, and it's nice to see someone like Christopher Walken in a lead performance. And that is on Prime Video. Again, pretty much of a bargain, just $5.99 for Percy versus Goliath. Got a thriller next. Danger, deception, and murder descend upon a sleepy town when a professional assassin accepts a new assignment from his enigmatic boss. It's the virtuoso. You know the
1: rules. Do not rush. Do not hesitate. Do not get distracted. Something on your mind? I had one last loose end. Loose end? Something personal. We're killing machines. It's what we do. Tell me who sent you. And now you just catching up. Go back a long way. Do not put me in a bad position.
0: And the enigmatic boss would be Anthony Hopkins, and in the last few weeks when we've been talking about Hopkins' now Oscar-winning role in The Father, we've said he works a lot, and sometimes he just doesn't seem as invested as other times, like in The Father. This is the the type of movie we're talking about.
2: Yeah, and and this movie thinks it's so much cooler than it is. (laughs) You know, it's it's one of those movies, and I've seen a number of these in the last few years, where if you just scroll through the cast list, their names are The Virtuoso, The Mentor, The Waitress handsome guy, you know, or handsome Dan, maybe it's just, you know, nobody has a name. Everybody is anonymous. And, um, and it's, it's hard to live up to that. I mean, this is a neo-noir. It's trying so hard to be cool. And, uh, and, and it starts with a uh, voiceover. So you're, you're on a hit with the virtuoso and all you hear is the voiceover and he's explaining his process and precision and timing and scheduling okay and then the first hit is over and then you get the title credit and then you start the, the, the movie and for another 10 minutes it's all voiceover I just thought just kill me <laughs> just shoot me, please. And and the first thing I thought of was, God, do you remember how great American Psycho was? Because they knew how to use a voiceover. So the thing is that the movie never gets much better, but eventually we're on to the final hit, which is the core story, and that's when you realize everything he told you was just bull, because here he misfush- misfires over here, over there he hasn't scheduled very well at all, there he's making bad decisions here, it's like, you're not a virtuoso at all. <laughs> and it would be funny, He'd, I mean, he has so many problems at this big hit, they're most his own fault. Mm-hmm. If it had been a comedy, it might have been funny, but it's played deadly serious, and it's just not a good movie. And maybe had the
0: title as an ironic title. Right. Like, you're not so much of a no. virtuoso. No. But it's one where Anthony Hopkins sort of shows up. He doesn't seem that interested and a little bit miscast.
2: Oh, he is so miscast, yeah. They've got him in like these cool
0: shades in this creepy room. You're like, oh, it's just dumb. The movie's just dumb. So what you're saying is if he wins an Oscar for this, it'll be even more of an upset It will be than it was <laughs> just last week. And that is on Prime Video again, $5.99 for the virtuoso the new scary one this week is a story of a young girl finding solace in her artist father and the ghost of her dead mother at separation
2: i felt something up there
1: it's bad jenny just come up samantha this is darkness what does it want to inflict pain and to give us a message. We must be quiet, or else we'll scare her away.
2: Now, when I saw this movie come up, I thought to myself, great cast, bad director.
0: Yeah, director is William Brent Bell, who did The Boy, and what else? Devil's I- Do. Yeah. And The Brahms, The yeah. Boy 2. <laughs> the thing about this is, and I wrote it down, it, it's it's barely a horror movie, really. I, I wrote it down when it, something creepy finally happened. It was a full hour into an hour and 47 minute runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, I guess, maybe a metaphor for family trauma, but it's, the dad here is played by Rupert Friend, who's also a producer. And he is a comic book artist, and it centers around an old comic book of his. This is called The Grizzly Kin. And so they're sort of creepy-looking dolls and clowns and things like that. And they've got puppets to go along with those uh, characters as well that the daughter plays with. So then some of them come to life and give you some creepy visuals there. But, boy, there's, there's not much fright to it at all. It goes in a place uh, toward the end uh, that you can pretty much see coming. The supporting cast, yeah, Brian Cox plays uh plays the dad's mean disapproving uh, father-in-law, Mamie Gummer, Meryl Streep's daughter, plays the wife, and it so the cast is solid, but it's just it's one of those honestly, I just by the end I thought who greenlit this yeah there's just really nothing here they show you these visuals in the trailer. To make you think, ooh, and you can just take bets about how many of those turn out to be dreams. Uh, that's it, the, such, laziest, that's so, the laziest. That's the laziest part. Exactly. Trope. Exactly. So it was just in the end, it's just boring, and it is out in theaters called Separation. Next is the story of three friends creating a board game that they think has what it takes to become a bestseller, when their attempt at crowdfunding fails, a mysterious man makes them an offer. It's called Murder Barry Win. <laughs>
1: We wrote the game on murder and we can probably win if we play our cards right.
2: No, 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 no! What's the point doing all this planning if we're not going to actually use it? That's a real person, Adam! He's not a real person anymore. You think he's got an opinion about all this?
0: You got a take on all this? Oh, you don't? Because you're dead? He's dead, guys. This is from co-writer and director Michael Loven, who also has a small part in this, which was one of the bright spots, actually, for Cat McAlpine, who reviewed this for us at MadWolf.com.
2: Yeah, it's a fun indie comedy. It's quirky. It's got a little bit of a weird vibe to it. You know it when the guy who may fund them, he just asks, who hasn't fantasized about murdering someone? And you're <laughs> like, oh, that. we're in for a ride. <laughs> is that where we're going? Yeah. So, I mean, it is. It's a, it's a very clever, fun, independent comedy especially for it now
0: not us but a lot of people are into game night now they really are so if you are i think even more so this is one for you it's called murder berry win you can check out cat's written review at madwolf.com another bargain rental at 399 check it out and if you're saying to yourself hey wait i expect an irish movie on this podcast well here it is dublin teenagers matthew rez and kearney leave school to a social vacuum of drinking and drugs falling into shocking acts of transgression. It's here are the young men.
1: Boys, we're free. I love you so
2: much. <laughs> I think you look great pregnant.
1: Has anyone ever told you you have an extremely punchable face?
2: I saw a girl get knocked over today.
1: She died. But you're fine.
2: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the real man. What was in the bag, sugar? What do you think was in the bag, Matthew? You knew what he was like. I told you. This is based on the novel by Rob Doyle, and it's not as good as the novel by Rob Doyle. It is trying very hard to be kind of a cross between maybe Train Spotting and Clockwork Orange. That's rarefied air. It is. That is tough to pull off, and it just really doesn't do it it's not that it's a terrible film it isn't it's just that it's so clear the niche that it is trying to fit into and it misses the mark pretty pretty wildly and if you're one of the 10 or
0: 15 people that saw blinded by the light and you should because it's delightful the actor that played the main character's friend and neighbor the guy who wants to be in a like a new wave band uh the actor dean charles chapman he's the lead here and Anya Taylor-Joy, yeah. always glad to see her in anything.
2: She's great in it. I mean, the performances are good. Everybody is good in it. It's just that it, they, in trimming the novel to fit into a 90-minute runtime, mm-hmm. they lose too much of the character of Dublin. They lose too much of the context. And what they wind up is sort of like, you know, a reheated version of something we've seen.
0: Yeah, and if you want to check out the written review, Christy Robb covered this one for us, and you can find her review at madwolf.com. Hey, let's go to the lobby. See who's there. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the
1: lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby,
0: checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, hipping us to the latest studio releases. Any changes? Any big news? What do you see?
1: Uh, We've got some new dates. Nothing's been postponed, so that's good. Yay. But uh, (laughs) for once. Netflix has issued a bunch of dates for part of its summer lineup. Uh, The sci-fi thriller Awake will premiere on June 9th. The Jean-Claude Van Damme action comedy The Last Mercenary will premiere on July 30th. The Jason Momoa action thriller Sweet Girl will hit on August 20th. John David Washington's thriller Beckett will arrive on August 27th. And then we're getting a gender-swapped remake of She's All That titled He's All That on August 27th as well.
0: And, and who, who is all that? I, I told them I wasn't available, so who did they get instead?
1: I'm honestly not sure, so I guess <laughs> that'll be a bit of a surprise. <laughs> Sony moved up the release of Escape Plan 2. They had pushed it back to January of next year originally, but now it's been moved up to July 16th this summer. And then Lionsgate has renamed their action thriller The Asset. It's now called The Protégé, and it's set for an August 20th theatrical run and that will stars Maggie Q, Samuel L. Jackson, and Michael Keaton. Ooh, okay. That'll turn out well. And since we just had the Oscars, moving on from Lee States, uh, it wouldn't be a proper post-Oscars week without an announcement of an American remake of one of the foreign film nominees, right? right? <laughs> well, apparently Hollywood will be remaking Thomas Vinterberg's Another Round, and it'll supposedly star Leonardo DiCaprio. So I guess we'll see how that turns out.
0: Yeah, it seems like a lot of these that get announced and then they never show up. I mean, I've, I've heard of a lot of foreign films going to get an American remake and then they just don't seem to. So, but with maybe DiCaprio attached, maybe it actually will.
1: Maybe, but then again, what we had that uh, remake of Tony Erdman announced years ago with Jack Nicholson and then yeah. that never came to pass. Right. So it's hard to tell. Beyond that, uh, the MonsterVerse will continue. They announced this week that... They are going to make another movie in their ongoing Godzilla Kong franchise. Supposedly, Adam Wingard will come back to do a, I guess, a Kong 2, if you will. It's rumored to be titled Son of Kong, but I guess we'll see how that goes. Hmm. Okay. And then, lastly, we got some more concrete information on David Cronenberg's new film this week. Got a familiar title, Crimes of the Future. I'm assuming that means it's going to be some sort of illusory make of his. Early 70s film, but I guess we'll see. Uh, that shoots this summer in Greece. Should arrive sometime next year. And the best part is it's going to star Viga Mortensen, Leia Sadu, and Kristen Stewart.
0: All right. So, well, always interested in whatever Cronenberg uh, is doing, and that's a good cast.
1: Yeah, and with that cast, it makes me think he's gotten a bigger budget than he's had for his last few, mm-hmm. which is nice. Awesome. And that's all I've got for you. All
0: right. Appreciate it, as always. You can uh, find out more from the Schlocketeer at the Schlocketeer on Twitter. We'll see you next week. All right. See you next week. All right. Next week, get ready. Get your quarters ready for the face-off machine, because Jason Statham is back. It's (laughs) Wrath of Man. (laughs) Also, Oak Room. Okay. Cerebrum. Fried Berry. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, I've been hearing about that one. I don't know much about it, but I'm looking forward to it. Also, Above Suspicion.
2: 15 days of
0: Bigfoot. I would just like to say, Mm -hmm. Bigfoot is having a moment. Man, Bigfoot is. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if 15 days is enough days. (laughs) We'll find out. Also, Queen Marie. The Human Factor. And actually, one you got to see a while ago called Paper Tigers. Yep. So we'll check out all those. And there's probably some more that'll pop up. Seems like there always are. Maybe an Irish film. We've had... (laughs) We've had a few. We've had a few. So until then, let us know what you thought about anything this week, and especially best summer ever. You know what? If you want to make me eat a bug, I will <laughs> I will call you on it because I think you're fibbing just to have me eat a bug because I don't know how you can watch that movie and not feel good about it. Anyway, any of the movies this week, you want to keep this conversation going, we love it, on Twitter, easiest way to find us. It's at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website for all the written reviews and other fun stuff, including our horror movie podcast, Fright Club. All there for you at madwolf.com. So we appreciate you stopping by. Until then, stay well. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast.
2: See ya.
1: I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.
0: Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.